Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome to the show. I'd like to talk about spirituality. Now, what is spirituality? Well, according to the dictionary, spirituality involves the recognition of a feeling or sense or belief that there is something greater than myself, something more to being human than sensory experience, and that the greater whole of which we are part of is cosmic or divine in nature. So why am I talking about spirituality right now? Well, part of it is that it's January, the beginning of the year, and some of us are making resolutions, setting goals, but also taking stock of our inner selves, not necessarily our physical selves. It's that personal growth. It's an opportunity to make things better for ourselves, perhaps right some wrongs, and grow in a spiritual way. My special guest today is someone who has over 20 years experience dealing with spirituality, with metaphysics, and all kinds of wonderful things. Her name is Sarah Hauk. She is a modern mystery school teacher and guide. She is an energy healer and a ritual master. She is also an Ensophic Reiki instructor founder and co-owner of Temple 23. Sarah is going to help us demystify the spirituality, the metaphysics, talk about enlightenment, and share some of her experience over her 20 years. Please help me welcome Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Hi. So happy to have you here. So honored to be here, Jenny. So tell me, how did you get started in the world of spirituality? I think it was just always destined that this was going to be the way it was for me. I don't know that I had a choice in the matter. From a very young age, I I was aware that I had parents who were extremely in tuned and psychic uh, even though they were doctors and government officials. I had a father who astral traveled. We grew up in a very haunted house, and my sister and I were both also extremely psychic. And so I also experienced a lot of trauma and abuse um, and physical illness. I was diagnosed with a life-threatening illness at 13, 
luckily I had a doctor mom. So she took me all over the country and to the States to try and find an answer and save my life. I died twice. Talk about a Jesus moment that changed my life. And when I was told I didn't have much time to live, I, I really, I started trying to find a different answer. Um, My physical eyes could see a world that everyone explained to me was real, except I had such a rich inner world. And I, I looked to meditation actually, um, to help deal with the pain of my illness. Um, I have a mitochondrial myopathy and a beta oxidation disorder. Anyway, long story short, but I started meditating and it healed my illness. And so doctors were completely baffled and I was completely baffled. And so I started traveling the world to try and find answers because I had put all my eggs in a science basket because that's what I was told to do. I'm air quoting. I was told to do in case because there's no video. And I just started seeking other kinds of answers. And when meditation healed my illness, it kind of shattered my worldview. And I, I was just kind of immune to this programmed idea that, you know, because I really thought, you know, you have to, you're going to go, going to do good in school and I'm going to make my parents proud and I'm going to get a good job and I'm going to be a doctor too. And then I'm going to get married and I'm going to have kids and I'm going to have this nice house. And all of that is great. And actually, you know, like I have many of those things, but when I really felt in my heart, the way that that's how people accepted the re- reality I could not do it. I don't know if it's my ADHD. I don't know if it's my rebellious spirit, but I just couldn't handle the idea of someone telling me what to do, especially as an adult. I was told my whole life, you know, when you're an adult, you can make your own choices. And then I learned what being an adult was and it sounded worse than high school. I was like, what? That is some kind of bullshit. I was like, they're going to tell me how much I'm worth and when I'm allowed to go to the bathroom. I have to ask permission for vacation. I have to show up at a certain time and go home at a certain time. I was like, no, thanks. So I started my entrepreneur journey at 16. And um, because I just was given a lot of freedom as a child to do what I wanted, I just explored all my interests, like doing Tai Chi VHS videos at 13 and being part of the first volunteer team when Moto Yoga opened, you know, in Winnipeg and teaching yoga and meditating when I was 15. And there was a contract in my soul to find this purpose. In fact, there was nothing else in my life that was important than finding my purpose. And it's kind of this, it's like I'm walking towards a North Star and the compass lives inside my heart. And even though I have no idea how I'm getting to where I'm going or the path, but I just had to get there. And that path took me to a lot, a lot of being in the fire and transmuting myself and healing and dark inner work and, and understanding a lot of the world's pain so that I could be such a good healer, I think. And so I got into all of this to, of course, heal myself along all my journeys and my, you know, I had severe anorexia and I had severe OCD and I struggled with anxiety disorders and ADHD and all kinds of nonsense. And I have a lot of compassion now, I think. Oh my goodness. That's amazing, Sarah. I had no idea that you were dealing with so much as a, as a young child and, and that you almost died twice. No, well, I did die. Oh. Oh yeah. I died twice. 
That's amazing. And and the fact that it, first of all, prompted you to look for not so much a reason, but to heal yourself. And you mentioned meditation, and that's actually how I first discovered you was when you were offering, and I still believe you offer your Sunday morning meditations. So I discovered you and uh, I, I actually attended one of your sessions and then, you know, I couldn't do any more Sundays because I was teaching um, Zumba actually at the time that you have your meditations. But I just remember sitting there and listening to your voice and, and just so very soothing and just so very calm and inspiring at the same time. People have this impression of meditation that you have to sit there and you have to clear your mind of everything and you have to do it for X number of minutes, et cetera. But really when you're doing yoga, that's a sense of meditation. When you're having a bath, that's a sense of meditation, isn't it? Because you're alone with yourself, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the fact that meditation healed you, when that happened, were you surprised at what happened or did some deep part of yourself understand that that was meant to be? There was this doctor and she was a sports medicine doctor and she said, Sarah, visualize your pain going away. And so I just created this little meditation in my mind. I just pictured all my pain in my in my body as these dark colored circles. And then every breath in a, a white circle would come in and push out a dark colored circle and like until all of it was white. And it was really, really healing for my mind to be like on that repetitive task. And it really started to work. Or I would visualize my whole body red and then every breath, it would slowly get lighter and lighter and then eventually turn to a light blue. And then when my body was a dark blue, all my pain went away. And this taught me the power that the mind has. And I think from that very real experience, it kind of opened a door to, well, what else is possible? And, you know, my mom and I are best friends now. You know, she... Um, similar to you, um, I, don't, I don't like similar your age to you, yourself. And she, she, she had no work life balance. They were expected to work eighteen hours a day, and I think that on some level, I manifested my illness because I just wanted my mom's attention. Interesting. Yeah. Now, doctors would argue, no, you're born with it, da, 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 da. and perhaps I did. You know, we all have epigenetics. There's all potential for things. That's what epigenetics tells us. But uh, from a lot of like a lot of reflection, I think the hardest part about healing myself of my illness was that it took me away from my mom. You know, that's interesting because when you think about healing yourself, you're coming to a better place for yourself. But actually hearing you talk about your relationship with your mom back then, it was taking you away from her because her role as a doctor and also as your mom was to try and help you heal, but the healing that you had was was from within yourself. Oh, yes. You know, I think my anorexia, my OCD, they were, you know, I work with people who are anorexic, not as a therapist. Um, of course, I, I encourage that and medical professionals. But um, if someone were to try to take away my eating disorder, that would have been a death sentence. Because I know that sounds ass backwards, but my anorexia was like people smoking. It is what helped me handle some kind of pain I wasn't willing and or able to deal with. And so 
Anorexia is what I could control. OCD is another way to not feel feelings. When you're, when you've OCD, you're just constantly thinking, thinking, thinking and avoiding feeling and stuffing down feelings. So my physical illness was a way to get something that I didn't know how else to ask for. You know, and it does make sense in a, in a kind of a strange way because it was something that you could control. You were controlling how much food you were ingesting every day. OCD, you were controlling your surroundings and not letting your feeling get in the way because as soon as emotion enters the picture, then it, it actually makes it more chaotic in a sense. And, and that, that's sort of what I'm, I'm sensing from what you're telling me. But when you think about being very logical, you know, when you think about, you know, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about it, this in a very logical, very reasonable, very pragmatic way. I'm not letting emotion come into it because as soon as emotion comes in, then you start feeling things. And then sometimes when you're feeling things, you're losing control. So I, I totally get why, even though it was harming you in some way, it was actually helping you in, in the other way. And I just didn't have an outlet to express emotions. Had someone taught me how to actually feel emotions and express them, that would have been fine. Because when you deny yourself emotions, that logic gets way out of balance and it's no longer logical. Emotions and thoughts balance each other. They keep them in this perfect harmony and balance. But if you exclude the other, then the, like if you exclude thought, a logical mind, the emotions go completely rampant. And same thing. If you deny yourself emotions and thinking that makes you better at being a logical person, actually it doesn't. It's getting that fine balance, which can be difficult for most of us. I mean, for, for myself, because I'm either, you know, super emotional or I'm super logical and, you know, and trying to find that balance. And it's always like, it's like, you know, you're fighting with each other <laughs> and, and neither side is winning, which, which I find very interesting. And interestingly, so many of the secrets of what you're talking about and how to find that balance is all in the insophic Reiki modalities and training. So tell us more about that. Oh girl, what do you want me to tell you? I will spend the rest of the three hours that we have together talking about that. <laughs> okay. So maybe explain exactly what that is, because I, I think I know what Reiki is. And for, for many of my listeners, they may not know. So perhaps start with the basics. So first of all, what is Reiki? And then why is Ensophic so different? Because there's different types of Reiki is in there. There is not, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned something. Right? So Reiki is about the rays of Ensof. Ensof being, well, some people might call it the ultimate God, the omnipresent force. But if you want to think about Ensof like a blank whiteboard. So Jenny, what could you draw on a whiteboard? Anything. So in its nothingness, it contains the potential for everything. And isn't that a beautiful definition of God? container for all potential. And so Reiki is about the rays of Enzov. Now, Western Reiki, so basically around 1920, there was a Japanese man called Mikao Usui who went up a mountain in Japan to find enlightenment. So people in Western, the Western world believe that Reiki is a healing modality. 
And while Reiki can be used as a healing modality, it was originally handed down to humanity as a way for personal enlightenment. So Mikao Sui climbed Mount Kurama to find enlightenment. And as a happenstance accident, realized that it could be used for miraculous healing. So what Usui was handed down were the keys to finding spiritual peace, or what we would call inner peace. Inner peace gives you access to all the powers of the universe. I thought that studying with the mystery school and 8,000 year old spiritual lineage was going to turn me into like, was going to transform me into this, I don't know, broom flying, wand wielding, like sorceress supreme. And yet what it did was strip me of my programming. And it has made me so powerfully myself. And it continues to help me take away the parts of me that are not actually me. And that's where my power is. It's in being me. And so in 1920-ish, when Usui brought the Reiki down to people, humanity was not ready to hear all the secrets because part of part of Ensophic Reiki is Kabbalistic teachings, it's galactic teachings. And if he had come down the mountain and said, talked about galactic energy, no one would have listened. He also became a miraculous healer. And he started to being revered as a guru and he didn't want that. He was a humble monk. And so when he handed down the Reiki, he only handed down the healing portion. He did not hand down the keys for personal enlightenment, which were held within the mystery schools, which is why I have been handed down the full system of the Reiki, which is Insophic Reiki. Very interesting. I did not know that. And so I find it very fascinating that you're right, because I always thought of Reiki and I've gone for Reiki sessions myself that are more healing to find out what's going on. So, you know, it's doing a scan of my body to find out where there's resistance or, you know, low energy. Um, but to think about it as not so much more healing, but just giving, like stripping away the unnecessary parts and just leaving that, that part that's you. Well, can I tell you, when I do sessions for people, and I think I was so scared. This has been my 2023 goal. So it's so cool that on the first week of January, this is happening. Woo. Because So thank you, Jenny, for being the platform for my greatest fears. Because I have a doctor mom, my sister is a plastic surgeon, almost like all my family are doctors. I was terrified to learn Insophic Ray because it is supposed to be the miraculous healing. And I'm like, what? No way. I heard the most crazy stories of physical body healing I'd ever heard in my whole life. I was terrified to do these sessions for people. But and I'm saying this because I, I, I'm scared because I know that when I talk about it, people are going to come after me and call me like a witch doctor. But <laughs> in three sessions, I've healed PCOS, endometriosis, broken bones, torn muscles, chronic digestive issues, eye problems. Like you give me three sessions and I will heal your body. And that is so terrifying for me to talk about because that's so tangible. But when you are flowing complete potential into the body as, as I am an initiated guide in the mystery school that I have that authority and power to wield that ray, 
to heal people. That's what it does. But Insophic Ray is about liberating people from slavery, which is our minds. So I'm not here to just create healthy slaves. The Insophic Ray energy, not only does it heal someone's physical body, it correspondingly heals whatever block there is in the mind that keeps them from their power. And that blows my mind. Because if you came to me, Jenny, and you said my knee hurts, I will spend the whole three sessions on just your knee. But I also have to fry your brain. Part of Reiki is frying the brain, the right and left hemispheres, because what we talked about 20 minutes ago is those right logical and emotional minds that when we're not firing together, this is where we get attached to one of the other and get out of balance. These are our masculine and feminine energies. And there's this band in the middle of the brain called the corpus callosum that separates the two. And we talk about the pineal gland being calcified, but the corpus callosum also calcifies with our opinions and our judgments. And so insophic Reiki fries the brain to bring your emotions and thoughts back into balance as well as to heal the body. So you talk about it hypothetically, I come to see you and I've got a, a sore knee and your Reiki sessions are going to help to heal that. But when I think about, you know, Eastern medicine, you know, acupuncture, for instance, my sore knee is actually not my knee, but it's something else that is causing it. So, so when I get the needles, the needles are not going into the knee or anywhere close to my knee. It's probably in my left elbow or, you know, wherever the meridians are. But to that point, when you talk about our mind, so sometimes our mind is telling us that our knee is sore. Or, you know, when you get up in the morning, you have a choice to say, it's going to be a beautiful day. Or, you know what, I'm really tired. I don't feel well. And guess what? You're tired and you're not feeling well because you're telling yourself, your mind is telling you that this is what you are. So, what you're saying in terms of freeing your brain of any resistance or any any imposed restrictions, you're basically your your mind is telling your body, no, your knee is not hurting. Although physically it may be actually hurting, but you know, I don't know whether it's psychosomatic or No, let me tell you a story. Um, this is I mean, I could tell you personal stories of my own clients, but because we have a Winnipeg listing base, maybe I won't share their stories. But I'll tell you, teacher, a story of my teacher. My teacher was asked to help a dying man. His liver had completely shut down. He had days to live. So she did the insophic Reiki on him. His entire body was a giant blister. He had lost all the skin on his body. Once your liver goes, you're done. She did insophic Reiki on him. She's like, okay, he needs more than three sessions. We're going to do more than three sessions. She went away on a trip, came back, didn't know what to expect. She'd probably assumed that he would pass. Not only, so he, he, all of his skin had grown back by the time she got back. Now he had given, been given days to live and within a few months, his liver had not just gotten better. His liver had become a hundred percent new. That's the level of miracles that we are talking about here. I have a, and, and I am genuinely scared to tell this story. Um, but I have a friend in the UK who did the insophic ray for her best friend's child who in the UK, um, autism is rated on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most severe. Uh, this child 
self-harmed, couldn't speak, couldn't communicate, couldn't go to school. And after the three sessions was a two, uh, was able to go to school, never self-harmed, started to communicate. And these results are lasting. They last. And so where I, and I would never think that in Sophic Ray or spiritual healing is going to take over any of the other amazing modalities we have and medicine and anything. But I know my mission on this planet is to start bringing spiritual healing into a normalized form of healing because it works. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. All right. So what is this controversial thing that you want to share with us? Okay. Well, I hope it's not controversial. I hope it's inspiring, but it may be controversial. So I think that it's helpful when we can have diaposing perspectives on things and see that like to hold, to hold two thoughts in our mind at once that may seem conflicting, but that work together. So I absolutely believe, and part of my healing journey was I needed to accept who I was, accept the things that I cannot change about, things that are just me, accepting my worth for who I am. The message I hear too much in the world is this belief that you are good enough as you are. Because why would we try harder? Why would we strive for more? Why would we put in hard time and effort and discipline and commitment and consistency because I'm just good enough as I am. Now, I believe you should accept yourself and and that you should, there's nothing outside of you that should define your self-worth. That is inner work. But I see a little bit, maybe a lot of it, this attack on the divine masculine energy, which is producing in the world this fear of going through hard times. And I hear it in a lot of my clients. But excellence, and whether that's enlightenment, personal health, or someone like my sister who has sacrificed so many things to become one of the best at her job as a plastic surgeon. I mean, the the woman is 36 and still in school. That you have to do hard things. And that if we keep striving for comfort, that this is going to be a global problem, especially in the countries in the world that have the luxuries that we do to make such a huge impact on the world. We, I'm hearing more of the message, do less. In fact, self-care for me is working fucking harder because that is leading me towards the things that actually bring me joy, happiness, fulfillment, purpose. Can we get rid of stress, fear, and anger? Yeah. Should we get rid of criticism? Yeah. All those things suck our energy dry. 
but why why the why the not striving to be more you present a a very interesting situation in a sense you know and and when you talk about do the hard things you know glennon doyle just popped into my head talking about uh, we do the hard things and you're right it's when you put in the effort when you put in the time for yourself because it's it's a purpose that you have it's something that is bigger than you it's your passion it's whatever that joy is and it's something that if you don't do it your life will never be the same and so it's almost like you're guided by the universe you know the 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 forces that are around you the energies you know you talk about because that's what it is that the universe is full of energy and you're full of energy and so the forces in the universe are it's almost like they're guiding you towards something i want to talk about the book the big magic for a second and there's a, a section in there where she tells a story that she was writing this this um, this story. She wanted to write a book, and for whatever reason, she decided, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, and so she put it aside. And then later on, she discovered a book that was her story. And she's like, "What's going on? Why? How did somebody steal my story?" And what she was saying, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert was saying in the book, is that. When you have an idea, when you have a thought, when you have something that you want to do, the universe is giving you this gift. And if you choose to accept it, then it becomes yours. But if you choose not to accept it, it says, okay, that's fine. We'll just give it to somebody else. And then it it goes away. Now, I truly believe that. I've had friends tell me, well, no, that's not true. That's what, what, you know, that's a, that's a fairy tale. It's, you know, but I truly believe that you know, the same thing, and, and I've talked about my podcast. I had this idea in 2021 in May, or no, actually it was March. It was March 2021, and I had this thought in my head, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. And I I just said, you know what? I don't care what it takes. I'm doing it. And so I did it. And I truly believe that if I, if I didn't, we wouldn't be doing this today. Yes, I also agree. And I wonder about this, you know, I, and I wonder why this is. And I look at, I look at my grandparents' generation and they had to live through a war and they lived through a great depression. I looked at my parents, the baby boomers, the first generation en masse where women went to work. And that was a huge rebalancing, you know, for the nuclear family and how that works. And so now we kind of live in a, live in a time where of course, not all over the world, like Ukraine's a good example, but we are not dealing with an imminent threat. And the physical body always moves towards comfort, always. And so now, as a generation, that there may not be external stimulus to inspire that hard work, like that doing the hard things. That's why in the alchemical process, the very first step is calcination, which is putting yourself in the fire. Any kind of change happens with the fire first. We all know it. It sucks, right? When you're starting a new habit, like I tried playing the guitar for a while, like, oh, like your fingers hurt and the, you, they're, it's so hard to press those damn strings down, you know, or people who are starting the gym for the first time, you know, it's just, it's a hard to create a new habit of get, actually getting up and going to the gym or 
or whatever it is, whether your goal is better communication or this and that, it is always going to be, there's going to be effort involved. And the bigger your goals, the more effort. Mm -hmm. Because it's worth it in the end. I want to mention that I, I saw your story on Instagram where you posted that it was 14 years ago that you you ran, like you you used to run, okay? And that you were going to take up running again. I commented back to you that it, for me, it was exactly 14 years ago. The last time <laughs> yeah. I did a half marathon was 2007 in Jamaica. It was with the Joints in Motion program. And it was Jamaica, and I believe it was probably... January, actually, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember it, the humidity was, was, oh, it was terrible. And I remember I was running with a friend and we got to mile two and my right hip started hurting and I had to stop. I had to, I couldn't run anymore. So I walked the rest of the half marathon. And that was the last time that I ran. And I used to run, I think I ran maybe a total of 12 half marathons. I used to do a whole bunch of 5Ks, 10Ks. I actually trained once for the full marathon. And then I ended up, I sprained my ankle and it was like, okay, that that's enough. And But I remember running and how good that felt. But you're right, it was a challenge because for anyone who's ever done any running, it doesn't matter whether you've you've run long distance, that first 10 minutes is your second wind. You're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I want to give up. Like your body is, your body's going like, what the heck? You can't breathe. You're gasping like you're an old person. And then all of a sudden you get that second wind and it's like your body settles down and you find that groove and you feel like you could just run forever, Right. And but it's getting past that first ten minutes, that first challenge. Your mind is saying, and and the reason you do push past is because your mind is saying, okay, you can do this. Like, never mind. Don't worry about your legs. Don't worry about your lungs. You can do this. Just keep going because you know it's going to happen. And sure enough, it just like you settle in. It's like your breathing settles down, and it's it's magical. That's exactly right. Now, to say that I ran 14 years ago, let's be honest. I had a crush on a guy who was training for a triathlon, and that was the extent of running. Um, funny story, because I'm not just all serious. So I was training for triathlons. I never actually did the triathlon, because honest to God, it just sounded so terrible. I could do it. I could swim for two hours. I could. It was fine, but I'm just like, no. I just wanted to hang out with him. That was awesome. But I was going to Toronto. I was like, oh, well, what the heck? Like, I'll just do this half marathon thing. Like, whatever, right? So I'm 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 on the starting line. I'd not trained, you know, I hadn't trained for it. And, you know, people are really serious about running, you know, like they've got their little running room, like water packs on them. Like they are ready to go. So we start running, 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 running. And there's just one of those women's beside me. So I'm like, okay, she'll know. So I I kind of go like, hey. hey and she looks at me. I'm like, so, uh, like, how long is this thing anyway? <laughs> and the look on her face was utter disgust. And then she told me, and I was like, oh, that's pretty long. But like, I ran it in like an exceptionally good time, but it was just pretty funny. Like, her face was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. I just showed up. I just thought I could do it. 
That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. You know, and I remember once I didn't fully train because of course, you know, in order to do it, you should train so that at least they say that you should do at least, I don't know the full distance. I'm not quite sure what, but at least 75%. If you can do 75%, it's like, okay, you can do the rest because the, when you do the Manitoba marathon, the last little bit is, is you're going, you're going over a bridge right? And and so that that last little bit is like really grueling. Well, that's nice of them. Yeah. (laughs) But I can just imagine the look on her face like, oh my God, like you shouldn't even be here. Like, who are you? Right? (laughs) No, and I fucking kicked her ass time-wise. Good for you. (laughs) No, no, I I don't mean to say that. But if that's possible with running, then what else? It comes back full circle to what I said in the beginning. Then what else is possible? And we don't need to work so hard at knowing that we are God. We don't have to work so hard at at enlightenment. We like we do. It's hard work, but it's not as complicated as people think. All the power that you are looking for in your life exists now, here in your physical body. Your life is literally a reflection of your inner world. All you do, open up your junk drawer. Like that's showing you what your mind looks like. Like that's the kind of the cool, the axiom, like as within, so without. Your physical body is a reflection of your life. Everything you need is here now. And I'm telling you, stillness is the key. Stillness comes from learning how to manage and be in control of stress, fear, and anger, and in balancing these two hemispheres of the brain, balancing thoughts and emotions, letting them work together. So how do you find that stillness? What can you do? So if if most of us we have that hamster in our head, the hamster in the cage. It's going around, 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 around. So how do you silence that hamster? What can you offer as tips to help us find that stillness? Because it's not as simple as, okay, I'm going to find that nirvana. I'm going to find that stillness. I'm going to find that enlightenment. And I'm going to go home and you know sit on a yoga mat. It's, you know, it's not that simple, is it? And yet it is exactly that simple, (laughs) but it requires the masculine energy of discipline and commitment and consistency and perfectionism is an illusion created by your negative ego to prevent you from starting. Perfectionism is not because you want to do a good job. Perfectionism because you're scared to start. And I am a perfectionist. I'm a triple Virgo. I struggle with it, but you just have to do it. Now, how to find stillness? The first step is to relax. This is the first step. So for people that are scared to start a meditation practice, lay down for five minutes and relax. Lay down in your bed for 10 minutes and put on whale sounds or water sounds. I I go into the forest behind my house and just in the winter, just look at the sky because it's so quiet. Just go to Thermaea, get a massage, like 
just relax. Relaxing is the first step to stillness. When you can teach your body to relax, it's so much easier to manage stress, fear, and anger. Because a lot of us, I believe, are dealing with these recurrent PTSDs of whether it's massive trauma or micro traumas. Relaxation starts to slow our brain waves down. When we chronic when we like chronically relax, we can have chronically lower brain waves. If you live in a beta brain wave, you are multitasking all the time. You can't see me, obviously, if you're listening, but the the up the peaks and valleys of a beta brainwave are very, very, very close together, which means there's very little time and space between action and your reaction. And your cells are recovering like 0%. So you're aging quickly. The more you learn to relax, you start to live in a more alpha brainwave all the time. There's much more space. The peaks and valleys are less. They're not as big. There's more space between them. So anytime someone comes at you with something, your brain automatically creates more space to respond. You don't get that immediate emotional response. Or, sorry, emotional reaction. And your, your, your body cells are actually repairing up to 50%. Those of us that work really hard at meditation and a metaphysical practice, we live a lot of our life in a theta state, which is where deep meditation or sometimes even astral traveling, and that's where we live a lot of the time. Your cells are regenerating 75%. You look at people like, you know, people... I'm almost 40 and people, they just don't believe me because literally the more you teach yourself to relax, you age way less fast. It seems so silly, but the first step to enlightenment is first, just knowing that everything you're looking for already is here. And two, just learn to relax. Now, of course, you know, this is a podcast and I'm obviously going to say, come see me and get a life activation and, you know, do all those things. But you know, you don't have to do that. You can just learn to relax. And that's a really excellent way to start. And of course, I'm, I always give out free meditations. The max meditation is the fastest way. Um, this is the most effective meditations. I have studied meditation for 22 years, and it is the most effective meditation on the planet. I swear, I've, I've trained with a lot of meditation people throughout the world. And the max meditation is the most effective. You know, that that's fascinating because uh, I want to go back to something that you had mentioned earlier in our interview. You talked about how the, your superpower is actually you. And so when we stop to think, we don't need to necessarily go outside of ourselves to find the answers because you're right. The answers are within us. We just have to be still, relax, and look deep inside ourselves. That's right. How many times have you sat down at, at, a, at a blank piece of paper and, and just like spat out a to-do list that's coming from you know, I don't know, expectations of yourself or assumptions of what you should be doing, you know, um, you know, creating your dream life. And I know, I know that people would agree with me is starting from the feminine inner creative energy, like allowing that desire to happen first and then tapping into the masculine of doing of putting that into action. And so I drop my son off at daycare at between eight and eight 30 and I come home and the first hour 
maybe two hours at home before I do my work is like putting on good music or a fun TV show, maybe cleaning, maybe making some food because I have to like get into, I have to awaken my desire, like listen to the songs that ignite my purpose or whatever I need to do. Because if I start sitting down to work and don't start from joy, then I'm not creating good fruit. True creation starts the feminine desire first and then masculine action. I love that. For me, I always thought that the masculine didn't belong, but it actually does because you're right. The feminine is more of the flowing, creative, looking for the passion. And the masculine is more of the, you know, bringing in more of the structure, you know, and you're right. I'm a perfectionist. And I always thought because, well, I, I, I can't do it until it's perfect, but it's not so much the doing until it's perfect. It's that you don't start. You're, you're so afraid that you're going to fail that you don't even start and you have no idea whether you could have done it or not. And it's taking that leap of faith, you know, getting back to me doing this podcast. It was a leap of faith. I have a, I've never done one. I had no idea what I was doing. And I just like, you know what? I just I just got to do it. I just got I I I have to put myself out there and I have and it was like a it was like again something pushing me, pushing me, pushing me that I had a I have a voice and I need to tell my story and I need to there, there are people out there that need to hear what I have to say. And so I needed to tap into that and and go with it. So I love that. And if you're someone prone to perfectionism, use it to me, use it in a way that helps you put out your first draft and then look back, review your first draft, use your perfectionism to go, oh, okay, what did I do? What could I have done better? How am I going to make it better next time? Don't put perfectionism before the project. Put perfectionism between projects if you need to, right? Like if you have to put it somewhere, right? You're right. That makes total sense. So I want to actually, I want to touch on what you were saying about offering your courses and, and whatnot. Uh, so tell me about Temple 23. Ah, okay. So when I first started training at the Mystery School, I had no intention of being a spiritual healer in any way. I just wanted to heal myself. But in healing myself, I really revealed that this is what I'm here to do. So I've been training at the Modern Mystery School for 14 years, an 8,000-year-old lineage, lineage of King Solomon. And from there, um, I was in Toronto. That I lived in Toronto for 10 years. I opened up a healing center there. So when you train with the Mystery School, you have all the, you like have all these cool modalities and classes you can teach. And so we open up light centers all over the world. And so I opened up a light center in Toronto called Temple 23. Uh, I fell in love with the Winnipeg man and he brought me back home. Uh, and I've been here for five years. So I moved Temple 23 from Toronto to Winnipeg. However, I actually teach and have clients all over the country. So I travel a lot. Um, but Temple 23 is in the exchange in Winnipeg. Um, we're blessed with the whole floor. Um, we offer modern mystery school classes. We offer full moon meditations, um, classes for uh, personal enlightenment and personal peace. If you're interested in things like sacred geometry or astral travel or training your intuition, uh, the space is also home to a lot of healers both mystery school and non-mystery school. We have wonderful massage therapists and um, therapists. We have room for rent for people that want to create, you know, like to have their own classes. We are a, more than anything. It is a place where you can come and feel accepted and loved and like you can be like yourself. I think what almost every person says when they walk in the door, they say, oh man, like this place just feels good. It does. 
Thank you. It does. I, your, your space is absolutely beautiful and I love it. And, and again, the same thing. It's just so, so inviting. It's so warm. It, it's like your space is saying, welcome, come in. We're happy to see you. Thank you. You're welcome. But it is, it's, it's spacious. You've got that huge room that can be turned into absolutely anything. And then you have separate areas. I, there's a, I love that you have this one area. It's a smaller area that I believe it has, like it's surrounded by, by uh, drapery, not drapery, but white curtains. Yeah. White, thank you. White curtains. I was saying drapery, but it's not drapery. It's white curtains, (laughs) but it's just this. uh, And when you talk about feminine, to me, the space is very feminine. It's very, um, very flowy, very warm, like you said, inviting. And it just, you just want to settle in and just, you know, enjoy the ambiance and the, the energy and the, the peacefulness that you get in your space. And so I can see why that would lend itself to what you're doing in terms of being a healer, in terms of being a guide, a teacher, you know, it's all about the energy. You're welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we do have, yeah. So I would say like, you know, three quarters of it is like, you know, kind of what we do. Um, but we also have other energy healers that are not mystery school trained who, you know, they've, they've want to rent with us just because we're a space that loves energy healing. And they, they like that, you know, the rent is super duper cheap and they love the space is beautiful and they love that it's where people come to, to receive energy healing. So we're, I'm really blessed to have such a great team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's nice that you offer so much, you know, instead of one thing or, or another. Um, I do want to mention when I was on your website um, under courses, you offer a morning ritual course. So tell us a little bit more about what that's all about. Oh, that's sweet. That was one of my COVID projects. When COVID hit, of course, we have an entire floor um, and you have to figure out paying the rent. And the mystery school as a global community, we agreed that all distance healings that we do would be free because we didn't want to ever feel like we were taking advantage of people suffering in a really hard time. So we had no income. And in those moments, what I do is I take myself to a place of how can I help? What can I do? And so in COVID, I just started this seven day morning routine challenge and it was attended by so many people. I was so surprised. And so I just turned it into a course. So it's, if you, it's, um, seven days in a row meditation each day and each day kind of teaches you something that you could add to your routine and you can kind of start maybe putting your toes in the water with different things like meditation or journaling or toning and it's just like a I think it's like $29 course that I just put on my website honestly just just strictly for fun just a fun project in COVID. And I love that you did that because, you know, COVID, I mean, you know, we talk about um, people having to pivot, which I think the pivot is, is the word of the, of the century, not just (laughs) the last couple of years, but it's, it's trying something new and okay, that didn't work. And now try something else. And okay, that, that, that's a good idea. And sometimes the greatest things come out of just, you know, what the heck, I'm just going to throw it up there and see what happens. But I love the idea that it's only seven days. It's not a huge commitment. And $29, I mean, you're getting the meditation, you're getting the journaling prompts, and you're getting you. So, you know, what a a great deal. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, there's like a 100-page workbook I created. Oh, my goodness. 
I know. I was just, we had so much time, you know, and I create, yeah, I create a program to show if you wanted to do it for longer than seven days, how to do that. And yeah. That's amazing. Well, you know what, this has been, you know, to, to use your word, this has been very enlightening. (laughs) (laughs) And I've learned actually quite a bit. Um, And really that's, that's what it is, is knowledge. Knowledge is so powerful and it's going outside ourselves and leaving assumptions aside and, and being open to learning new things and, and having some of our preconceived notions put to rest because, you know, if, if we think we know everything, then we know nothing. That's true. And when we know we know nothing, we have created the container to know anything. And so I am not an, I mean, listen, I am not the authority on spirituality. I have dedicated a very long time to master my gifts and to earn the right to wield certain energies. But every single person's spiritual path is different. People that work with me feel an inner calling that they just know they need to be there. But there are so there's there's many different ways to find spirituality. To say that you're a spiritual being is to say like going out there and just professing to the world that you're a physical being. There is no separation between the two. So I, I hope I provided some opportunities for asking yourself questions. But ultimately, everything you ever need to know is in you right now. Any teacher should only be someone who creates opportunities for you to learn more about yourself. No one knows more about you than you. In fact, no one probably knows anything about you. You know, like you are the expert on you. And that's everything that the mystery school does. And all I mean, the mystery school is one authentic lineage that still exists on the planet. And everything it does is deprogram the mind to get you back to the state of who you really are. So any path that is leading you closer to high service to humanity, because I believe that all of our purpose is to serve humanity in some kind of way, um, then you are walking a spiritual path, you know, and, and that's a beautiful thing. And so I'm proud to do what I do. I know that it pushes a lot of people's buttons because it's a scary topic. And I appreciate people listening to me with an open mind. Um, But I really need to be a warrior out there. And I've taken many blows for it. And that's okay. But I need to show the world that spiritual healing, energy work, magic, psychic abilities, it's all real. I believe it. And and you are being true to yourself and no one can take that away from you. Thank you, Jenny. I'm just so grateful to have been given the opportunity to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> well, but that's, that's what a conversation is, is sharing stories, information, and just enjoying each other's company. It doesn't need to be any deeper, any bigger than it is. It's just, it's, you know, if we were sitting in a coffee shop, we would be probably having the exact same conversation because I would want to know more about what you have to offer in terms of your knowledge and learning more about spirituality and drinking it all in, you know, I'm just drinking all, all of this beautiful knowledge and, and all the beautiful energy, even though we are doing this 
you know, not in person, but I can still feel that there's that energy exchange. So thank you so much. I love spending time with you. You have just the most wonderful presence. I guess if I get to say one more thing, although relaxation is important to help us find spiritual peace, the quickest way to be who you really are is to live life in joy. And so move towards things that bring you joy. Happiness is contingent on external circumstances. This day went well, therefore I'm happy. This day didn't go well, therefore I'm not happy. Joy is a state of being. And so when I was really struggling, I started a joy, I think what was it called? It was like a joy challenge or something. And every day for one whole year, I did something every day that brought me joy. And that slowly started to remind me of what my natural state is. You know what? I love that. One of my core values is joy. Anything that I want to do, it has to come from a place of joy. It either gives me joy or gives someone else joy. And the other part of it is making a difference. And uh, I find that the two go together because if you are doing something that makes a difference either for yourself or someone else, you feel that sense of joy. You feel that sense of, you know, like just taking that that big deep sigh and going, oh, you know what? That was good. That was good. It's not even that happy because happy to me, you're right. They went well, I'm happy. It didn't go well, I'm not happy. Happy is happy. It's just it's 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 more of that external versus the 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 deep satisfaction that you get from either experiencing that joy or making a difference or helping someone or doing something that is helping humanity, right? In terms of what you were saying, that our our purpose in life is to help humanity. And when you have that sense, it's like that deep sense of satisfaction, that deep, ah, you know what? That was good. That was a good day. And let us not confuse joy with, and I know this sounds crazy, joy with contentment, with enjoyable, because when you tap into your purpose, there are so many hard points of it. And those are also the beautiful moments of the human existence. The opportunity to forge yourself as a warrior of light on this planet. And I don't know what's so wrong these days with a warrior archetype. With going out there. And warrior archetype means training and fighting and standing up for what's wrong. You know, we are being bullied into silence right now. No, we have to stand up for what we believe in. It's okay to be wrong. But joy is found in all of life's experiences. And if you found your purpose, it's not going to be happy every day, but it will be joyful. And when you find your purpose, it's like finding your calling in a sense that this was what I, this is what I meant to do with my life. And when you, when you get that moment, when you get that sense of whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is, you know it in yourself, you know that, and, 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 and you, when you talk about walking your path and, and sometimes going through the hardships, not everyone is going to understand what your purpose is. Not everyone is going to accept what you are doing. Not everyone is going to be happy, and I'm going to use happy here. Not everyone's going to be happy with what you're doing. 
But if you know that this is what you are meant to do, you are going to do no matter what. Because it is so important that you do whatever it is that you are being called to do. And again, going back to the big magic, if you don't do it, someone else will. So why not you? That's right. A hundred percent. Oh my goodness. This has been so wonderful. Thank you so much, Sarah. So now if people want to take courses, learn meditation, learn more about the Modern Mystery School, where can they find you? Oh, thanks for asking. Well, of course, we have our website, www.temple23.ca. My Instagram is Sarah Hauk, H-A-U-C-H, or we have a Temple 23 Winnipeg Instagram account. Or honest to God, just text me. Like, I could care less for automation. I am all about a personal touch. So if you're having a hard day and you need to talk, you want to, you know, call me up. Like my phone number is 431-335-2867. Like you got a good prank call, like go for it. Like I'm down for a good laugh. But like, if you need to text me or you want to book up a call over tea, like I'm all for that. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. And uh, we'll definitely put the information in our show notes, not your phone number, but uh, definitely your Instagram. (laughs) Because, you know, prank calls and all, but still. (laughs) (laughs) let's be a little bit more sensitive and keep it peaceful (laughs) all right thank you sarah thank you so much you're welcome so until next time think about your superpower which is you think about finding those moments of stillness learning to relax tap into the energy the power that's within you and find those moments of joy and go out there and make a difference to you and the world. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.